0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are pleased to have Tammy Lopez. She is a fellow pharmacist that's going to be on our show today, and she is a functional medicine pharmacist. And we've talked about functional medicine so many different times on our podcast. And what functional medicine is, is we are looking at solving problems instead of treating symptoms. And uh, as you guys know, most pharmacists, all they do is they dispense medications to treat a symptom. You have heartburn. We'll give you a PPI. We're going to talk about that. You have high cholesterol. We'll give you a statin. We're going to talk about that. You have high blood pressure. We'll give you a diuretic. We're going to talk about that. And one of the problems with these drugs is that they cause nutrient depletion. So whether it be potassium, whether it be coenzyme Q10, whether it be um, certain vitamins like vitamin D, but they can cause a lot of problems in the long run because of it. So ultimately, you'd be better off to fix the problem, which many times can be fixed with your lifestyle, rather than go on a drug. Um, But If you are on a drug, it's important to know about these nutrients you that are depleted, so you can replenish them. So, um, Tammy, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah. So, tell us. We were talking before the show. um, Tell us a little bit about your story um, of how you got into being a functional medicine pharmacist.
1: Sure. Well, it started when. I was going through kind of a stressor in my life, going through a divorce, had a young child. So, you know, didn't really have sleep, just high stress, working full time in the pharmacy um, to then come home late at night, turn around, you know, feed child, bathe him, turn around and go again. So just all that kind of added up. And so I started to develop insomnia. And then I started to, once that kind of kicked in, then I started to develop high blood pressure. Then I started developing acid reflux. So at first I was kind of taking, you know, meprazole here and there. Then it just started to develop and get a little bit worse. So finally I went to go see a gastroenterologist and they put me on Protonix or Pantoprazole, uh, 40 milligrams in the morning. And it still wasn't quite getting the symptoms. So I added on famotidine uh h to Um, blocker to kind of help out, still didn't quite help out. So they added on a Protonix uh, 40 milligram twice a day. And so kind of helped out a little bit. And after a while, it seemed to kind of get worse to where then I still wasn't sleeping. My stomach was still hurting. I couldn't eat and my stomach would hurt. Then it got to the point where even in between meals, my stomach would hurt. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm in my wit's end. I'm doing everything looking at pharmaceutical guidelines saying, okay, I'm getting on a PPI. Okay. Now I'm starting, you know, Pepcid or famotidine H2 blockers, excuse me. And then I was adding Tums and it just kept adding up. And I'm like, how, how does somebody survive this? So I thought, man, my stomach's got to be full of ulcers. Like something's going on. I honestly felt like I was going to die because I just constantly didn't feel good. So then I didn't sleep. I pretty much slept upright for about eight months and got one of those beds that you can kind of mechanically do so um, wouldn't fall off pillows. And so over uh, for the evenings, I actually had to talk to my doctor because I still couldn't sleep because my, my esophagus was just on fire just to lay down as soon as I lay down, even with all those medications. So then I got lidocaine to uh, viscous lidocaine to do every four hours to where I would take it and it only lasted four hours. So I actually would do that in kind of that magic mouthwash with the Maalox, the um, diphenhydramine or Benadryl. And then I would add in the lidocaine and I would do that for four hours and I'd be able to sleep, not totally pain free, but enough to where I can sleep a little bit And my body would wake me up about four hours later to then have to take another dose again. So my body just was in shutdown mode. And I thought, okay, I have a young son I have to raise. He was a year and a half, two years old about that time. And since I was up all night, I started Googling, okay, what natural things can I do? Looking at YouTube videos. um, That was not something that I necessarily learned in school. So that was kind of new to me. But At that point, I was like, I'm willing to try anything. So I was trying the DGL, um, the uh, uh, diglyceride licorice, but then that caused an increase in blood pressure, tried aloe. And I literally just, um, I was pretty scared. I thought I was dying. I'm not kidding you. That's how bad it was. Um, So I ended up finding functional medicine. Never heard the term. I had found some YouTube video, it was functional medicine, and I was like, oh, I've heard of naturopathic physicians. And so, um, started looking up what that was, and I thought, oh, let me see if there's a functional medicine, um, practitioner in my area. So I went on Facebook and I, and I put it in, and I saw a functional medicine pharmacist group, and I was blown away. I was like, pharmacists do this? You know, I, I didn't realize because we, that's not what we're taught. So, Literally, almost right when I got on, uh, I had seen somebody else post saying, "Hey, I'm having severe acid reflux. What do you guys recommend?" And one pharmacist said, "Hey, have you heard of the gut protocol?" And I was like, "Hey, I'm in. I don't know what it is, but I will try it because I have I have right. no other options." So I contacted her, reached out to her, and she actually um, worked or she was doing a product uh, through a company called Amari. And she said, Hey, I have a gut protocol, um, helps with, since you're stressed, basically it's a pre and probiotic. Um, it was called the Amari fundamentals pack and it had something to, uh, for the gut, which is the pre and probiotic. It also had a supplement that helped to focus on the brain. And then it had a supplement that synced both of them to sync that gut brain access. So on top of that, she said, because you're stressed, let's add in this mood supplement that has adaptogens. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, if you've had seen results, let's go for it. So I ordered it. And I am not kidding you. The first week in one week, I started sleeping through the night. I hadn't slept for probably about two and a half years uh, Mm. through the night. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh, it it was just, you know, changes your mood because now I'm getting some rest. The adaptogen, it helped me not to feel so like short tempered um, just because I was didn't have any sleep and I didn't feel good. And in, so I started that, let me back up just a little bit. Um, when I ordered it, I was, uh, I had an appointment with a gastroenterologist for an endoscopy. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this gives a month and a half from until my endoscopy. And I said, let me give it the month and a half. Let's see how it goes. And, you know, and we'll, we'll see what they say when they go and check my insides. So I started it. And in about, I would say in about a couple of weeks, I was able to now get down to like the uh, one pill a day of the Protonix and um, didn't have to do lidocaine anymore, which was so nice. Um, cut down, didn't have to do Tums. I did famotidine in the evening just to kind of give me that little extra boost. But then I started finding that it actually hurt my stomach when I was taking it. So then I was able to totally get off and just have my one tablet in the morning. So I was about there when I was going in to um, to my endoscopy. And at that point, what they were going to do after the procedure is they were going to put a pill that they were attaching to my esophagus to measure my pH and give me a little monitor outside for three days after the procedure so I can kind of see where the pH levels were. So I thought, that's a prime time for me to go cold turkey to see if this is going to work. And so went in and I thought, okay, I did feel a lot better. I, I basically could eat now. And during that time, when I was having that acid reflux, I cut out coffee, I cut out chocolate, caffeine. I mean, I, I barely could eat anything. And so I still stayed off all of those offending agents, spicy food, stuff like that, tomatoes. Um, but once, uh, once I had the procedure and they put that in, I stopped cold turkey, Um, so she told me that um, everything was normal to continue with my high-dose PPIs because they're working. And I didn't tell her I wasn't taking them, but I was Um, like, okay, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They're working. Yeah, I was just like, well, you know, let me see. So I literally, for the three days, I had that, um, that pill in my esophagus. And for anyone who does it, they say, oh, you won't feel a thing. I couldn't even drink water. That thing was so painful. Um, but it was a means to an end of finding out some information. So, yeah, the first night, laid down, and I kept checking the pH thing, and, and nothing, everything was just fine. And I thought, you know what? For adding in a pre and probiotic and just some natural supplements – most of our prescriptions are asked for acid reflux. And I was thinking, why are these not in our guidelines for pharmacy? Why do we not know about this? And I thought, oh, my God, my life was changed. And I felt like, OK, I had a renewed sense of of life, really. And I thought, you know, I have to tell people about this because so many people are suffering and then learning more about it. And then, you know, I also, while I was on those medications, developed peripheral neuropathy. My hands were in such bad pain. I had to, like, shake them all the time. I was just having that neuropathy because that B12 wasn't getting absorbed. I already knew that if I stayed on these medications, I, you know, I was at risk for um, for uh, hip fractures, wrist fractures, you know, just any bone break because I wasn't getting the, um, the calcium needed. So it kind of just, like I said, just being able to do these natural products, I still take them to this day. And I tell anybody who wants to listen about them, who has acid reflux, which are pretty much most of the people I know, uh, very few don't, but a lot of people are on omeprazole or, or, you know, protonics, anything like that, that's going to help, even if it's intermittently. And it's like, let's get to that root cause. So, once I started uh, going through that, right before my endoscopy, there was a post on the that functional medicine pharmacist group. And I said, hey, someone had, um, I think it was Lauren Castle, um, another pharmacist, and she said, hey, uh, I have another fellow pharmacist who wants to take 10 women, 10 moms who want to be able to stay home with their kids, who want to learn functional medicine and, um, and start their own business. I was like, hey yeah, I'm a single mom. I would love to, you know, to be at home because you know what, the pharmacy doesn't close unless you or you know, does you can't leave. It has to close while you're there. So I didn't have an option. Even days I was sick or had migraines. So I'm like, yeah, I would love to stay home with my child. And so I think I, she told me I was one of her first people that signed up. And so basically that just kind of lit a fire under me just to really understand functional medicine and now really seeing a lot of the, um, the benefits of it and what we really don't look at. Um, so I am a diabetes specialist. So I've been running a diabetes program for the past 16, almost 17 years. I see patients with type 1, type 2, pre-diabetes, um, as well as high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I manage patients one-on-one. So I started incorporating this functional medicine a little bit into my programs and seeing patients just, you know, being able to get off their medications, being able to reverse their diabetes. And so with that being that that's my specialty, that's how I started my business to kind of do diabetes as my niche. However, learning all these things, it's like it encompasses everything. So I kind of feel like, yes, I see patients with diabetes, but I can help anybody because it really, it applies to everyone. Um, It's just that added diabetes education. But yeah, that, it basically changed my life being able to apply that. And so I tell people all the time, you know, are you taking a probiotic? Are you, you know, still cutting down these offending agents, you know, looking at, do you have food sensitivities? That's what's, is that what's going on? Um, You know, any other, gut health issues or just even stress. And so going back to the situation I was in with the stress, you know, we talk about the gut. Um, the gut plays such a big role in all health conditions. You know, we the any inflammation, it's not just from foods, just stress itself can cause that inflammation in the gut. And our the intestinal lining is basically just one cell thick. So when everything's working properly you're eating food and the bacteria comes in goes out the way that it should everything stays inside the intestinal wall when we start getting stressed or leaky gut or other things that are causing inflammation in the gut those junctions are opening causing those toxins to then get into the body and so then that starts wreaking havoc on you know mood mental status and then also um just overall well-being and being able to handle stress levels as well. But the gut, like I said, it, it to me, that saved my life, but I know so many others, it that's kind of the root cause. Not that there's not other things, but but that's kind of what I look at with my clients when I'm when I'm working with them.
0: Yeah, if our guts aren't healthy, we can't absorb the nutrients and vitamins from our food or from supplements and in, you know, half three quarters of our immune system is in our gut. So if we don't have a healthy gut, it's going to be really hard to fix any kind of disease state. So back on PPIs, Janet, do you have some questions for for Tammy, specifically on PPIs and nutrient depletion that she talked about?
2: Well, first of all, I just want to make a statement that I think in the past couple of years, we've gotten to this place where we think um, bacteria and organisms are bad. And really what um, Tammy's explaining to you is that we as an organism must have bacteria in our lining in order to break down and absorb food and nutrients. And so when we use some of these um, products that are labeled as safe for us from our good old FDA, and we use them long term, we end up with um, not only nutrient depletion, but we also end up with some other um Problems down the road. So Tammy, I'd like you touched on it slightly. You said about calcium, but let's let's talk about what can happen in this situation if you continue down that road for years taking these types of medications. What are we depleting from our body, and what problems can it create?
1: Sure. I mean, there's numerous nutrients. Um, just some main ones are calcium, magnesium, B12. Um, it can even affect iron absorption. Um, So if we're talking about calcium, you know, again, when you're not absorbing the calcium, calcium is meant to be in the bone and the teeth. When you don't have enough of it there, what's your body wants to do for other functions in the body? It's needed for insulin production, for, you know, muscle contraction. When you don't have enough, it actually starts pulling from the bone to go into the soft tissues to start having the effect. And then that's, you know, that's the expense of then you have a breakage. So sometimes it's that sometimes it's even um, just a little side note. Sometimes people take calcium supplements and it's not that they are needing it per se. They just need to put the calcium in the right places. And so going back to the depletion of it is so talking from a diabetes standpoint, calcium is needed for, for actually, um, causing the cell, the pancreatic beta cells, to actually secrete insulin. So when you don't have enough calcium, it is not there to push that that insulin out. So as blood sugar rises, the insulin is meant to secrete to kind of get that imbalance. If you're not getting that, the right amount of insulin secreted, that's where you get that gap in the blood sugar. And so in addition, you need magnesium. So magnesium and calcium, they kind of work hand in hand. So magnesium is also depleted with PPIs, but magnesium actually works to kind of inhibit the, um, the secretion of uh, insulin from the cells. And so when you look at them in a ratio, when you have a high calcium to magnesium ratio, when calcium's, well, let's go to low. So when it's low, then the magnesium, because it's inhibiting that, is not allowing that insulin to get secreted. Plus, the calcium's not there to push it out. When you have the opposite, um, some people, because you're having too much calcium and you get a lot of insulin going into the bloodstream, they initially may have low blood sugar, but it gets to the point where you actually get bombarded with so much insulin. And calcium is actually kind of a calming agent. So It also, when there's too many things going on, it likes to kind of cover the cell and not let things in. So then what it does is it desensitizes the cell and doesn't allow that insulin to get in. So that's kind of another topic. That's actually something that's called calcium shell. But to me kind of, I'm going to work backwards here for a second. So when you're stressed, what happens to the body is that your brain tells your kicks in and tells your adrenal glands, hey, I'm stressed, kick out adrenaline, you know, let's increase the, the blood pressure, the heart rate and blood sugar because then you're in that fight or flight. Well, in order to increase that, um, the, the those things, sodium gets increased. So when sodium increases to increase that blood pressure, then what gets depleted is potassium and magnesium. And so that's where it starts, people can't calm themselves And so then what happens is that then calcium is like, Hey, I'm, I'm too stimulated and I'm in this, you know, this acute stress state. Then that's when calcium starts getting pulled from the bones and then it starts to go around the cell to be like, okay, I need to calm down because I can't keep taking that adrenaline and everything that's going into the cell. And that's where thyroid hormone can't get in, insulin can't get in and things don't function as properly.
0: Well, one thing I find, thank you for that, Tammy. That was a very good explanation. Um, And basically, um, if calcium, magnesium, which is good for mineralizing bone, you're going to have osteoporosis. So if you're on PPIs and you have a non-acidic stomach because the PPIs raises the pH and we're supposed to have an acidic stomach so we can kill the bad things in our stomach and dissolve minerals like magnesium and um, calcium and vitamin D, which is fat soluble. So under an acidic environment, it will be absorbed better. If we don't have that, then we get osteoporosis, right? Correct. And then what do we prescribe later on in life after these people have been on PPIs for twenty years? We give them a biphosphonate, right? To make their yeah. bones stronger. Right. Which is just it, it it's just ridiculous. Um right. or in your situation when you had um neuropathies, what would be the go to drug for somebody with neuropathies?
1: Oh, well, there's numerous gabapentin or you know, right. lyrica, which then would drive, you know, a whole bunch of other side effects. But yeah. Right.
0: So, how many patients are taking PPIs and they have neuropathy, and we're not really fixing the problem? We're just tr- throwing another drug at them. When in reality, we need to get them off the PPI. PPIs are not meant to be used long term. They are our stomachs are made to be acidic. So, for anybody that's on a PPI, um, you know, listen in because they, you should be able to get off those long term for sure. It's a, it's a not good to be on them.
1: Right. And the one thing with going back to the probiotic, probiotics actually can bring down the acidity of the stomach. So they also have the motility of the stomach, but they're balancing out the good bacteria because at this point you're, when you don't have Um, as much acid or you have too much acid, or or I'm sorry, when you're bringing down the acid, that can allow the overgrowth of bad bacteria in your gut, which leads to further issues of, you know, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. You know, you have leaky gut, um, just numerous things. And the probiotic, if you're on one, I would highly recommend to at least get started on a probiotic, maybe help to kind of wean down off of it um, just to kind of give that protective effect in the gut.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. We could talk about PPIs and, yeah, and drug depletion forever. So let's move on to another one. Okay. So another one that's popular is statins. Mm. So tell us a little bit about statins and what uh, specific uh, nutrient they deplete.
1: Sure. Statins are notorious for depleting CoQ10. CoQ10 is actually used for energy production. It also affects um, muscle cells. So that's why people who are on statins tend to have like a common side effect, let me put it that way, is muscle aches, muscle weakness. Some people get like exercise intolerance just because their their muscles aren't, um, they're just having either weakness with that. And in the extreme, it can cause what's called rhabdomyolysis, which is muscle protein breakdown. And what that does is then it breaks down that protein, gets into the bloodstream, and then that has to go through the kidneys, which can actually affect the kidneys as well. The thing with CoQ10, so CoQ10 is an anti-inflammatory as well as an antioxidant. So um, as we age, we already are decreasing in it. So and certain people who have conditions already kind of lower in it as well. So when you add on a statin, that's further depleting some of those levels. So, um, ways to get the CoQ10 is to one, you can even get it from foods. Um, and I'll go over those in a second, but, uh, you can replace with the CoQ10. There's two different forms. You have, um, the CoQ10, which is ubiquinone, and that needs to be converted into like the body-ready form called ubiquinol. And so that you would probably use about 200 micrograms per day. But if you use the more body-ready form or the active form called ubiquinol, you can actually take just 100 milligrams a day on that. Um, But CoQ10 is just needed for so many um, I mean, just energy, just in the body. And so with statins, what the statin does, just to kind of reiterate, is they um, they are actually blocking the enzyme HMG-CoA reductase so that the people are not making cholesterol in the liver. And so further down that cascade, because it, it blocks that, it can actually block further things that are needed in the body, like the CoQ10. So um, so, yeah, so a lot of people have that depletion. So we always recommend for patients to take those uh, if they are taking a statin.
0: So, Janet, what are some examples of some statins, some popular ones?
2: Oh, you have um, Lipitor, Mevacor, Provacol, um Crestor. Yeah.
0: What are we missing, Tammy? Any of them? Provacol, no.
1: Pretty much those are the main ones. <laughs> yeah. <those laughs> right, are the right. Main ones
0: <laughs> now, but. Um, okay, so... Jan's forte is hormones. We, we specialize in hormones. We, um, you know, talk to patients all day long about hormones. So tell us about uh, B vitamins and how they're depleted by estrogens and methylation and all that kind of stuff. You're the expert there, Tammy. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. So when a an oral birth control or oral contraceptive is started, uh, the different nutrients that are depleted is a folic acid, B2, B6, and B12. Uh, B vitamins that are really important that affect mood can cause anemia when you don't have it, um, when you don't have enough of them. Um, it can also decrease the antioxidants, vitamin C and E, and affect the minerals magnesium, selenium, and zinc. So we talked a little bit about magnesium and that effect. Um, as far as selenium, uh, that is actually needed for thyroid function. And so what selenium does is it's needed in regards to the thyroid. When you produce thyroid, you have a T4 and T3. T4 needs to be activated into T3 to exert its effect on the body. Selenium, when you're low in that, it can't, it cannot, um, What do you call it? Carry out or have enough effect with the active form. So you need to supplement with that, and you can do that with like Brazil nuts or foods. Um, And usually with with the selenium, it's um, you need about fifty five micrograms per day. Um, But the one thing with that, and going back to talking about the thyroid, is some people may have hypothyroid symptoms, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not producing enough of the thyroid hormone. It's just not getting into the cell the way to, or I'm sorry, it's not getting converted the way that it should to then, like I said, exert that effect. Furthermore, with the, um, with a magnesium deficiency, magnesium is actually, or potassium uh, gets depleted when it doesn't have enough magnesium. So what happens with that is if you don't have enough potassium, potassium actually makes the cell permeable to let that thyroid hormone in. So you're kind of getting it two different ways is you're not getting that conversion to the active form of thyroid, and then the cell is not opening up to allow that thyroid uh, hormone to to be affected. So some people may have the um, side effect of, of hypothyroid symptoms. Um, the next thing is zinc. Zinc is a uh, another enzyme that's actually responsible for, Uh, about hundred enzymatic functions in the body. So um, it's responsible for cell production and immune function. It's actually linked to the male and female female hormone production. So zinc actually works kind of opposite of copper in our body and copper, we have copper in our body that actually is, uh, it's an essential mineral, it's an antibacterial, antiviral, helps to maintain the immune system and nerve cells. So when we look at that in a ratio, because estrogens actually decrease zinc, when you have that decrease, then you have the opposite effect of copper and zinc. Let me back up. Zinc is more associated with progesterone, where copper is more associated with estrogen. So when you have the zinc depletion, then the copper tends to rise up. When copper is really high in the body, it can actually become really toxic and can actually um Cause a lot of problems in the sense of psychological problems. Um, it can cause um, uh, actually PMS symptoms. So, when we are looking at this cycle, woman's cycle, about a week before they start their cycle, they have uh, people who experience premenstrual syndrome. It's actually due to that copper toxicity because you have that rise in estrogen. And because you have that rise in estrogen, copper rises as well, and it actually gets into the tissues. So, people can experience frontal headaches, depression, weight gain, food cravings, fatigue, constipations, and just that up and down emotion. Once that cycle is over and the estrogen comes down, then those symptoms tend to go down and the copper tends to go down. With the zinc, though, um, zinc actually, when we look at that, um, what do you call it, that ratio, then we have to kind of be looking at people who are on estrogens that have copper toxicity. So what happens with that is people don't really realize how, what the effects of copper toxicity is. I think, and maybe it's more me that I really came into that and um, found out for myself, I had copper toxicity because I had a copper IUD, but a lot of psychological things happen where people can be feeling apathetic, just depressed, depressed, Um, They can be feeling anxious um, and having a lot of mental issues and not realizing that it's due to this copper. And usually, again, because you're taking estrogen, it's rising the copper in the system. When someone takes that, uh, the estrogen away, sometimes the copper doesn't always come out because it stays in the tissue. And if you don't have all your detox pathways to kind of clear out any, any toxins in the body basically what happens it'll continue to recirculate and so i do a test uh, for my clients i do the hair tissue mineral analysis test and i see a lot of people having copper toxicity this is men as well as women and it exerts a lot of uh, negative effects on the body this doesn't have to be just with estrogens Um, it can be people who are, are drinking out of copper pipes um who worked in mines or have just that, that copper, um, exposure. And so by detoxing that you have to balance all your minerals to, in order to get that out. But I just wanted to kind of just put that out there because I think that would be something for people to look into. If you feel like you're having a lot of mental issues or just, um, feeling, uh, like depersonalization, um, to where you cannot really, uh, pinpoint what is going on with you, I would look up at coppertoxic.com. There's a lot of checkpoints. You could say, okay, am I experiencing this, experiencing that? If you feel like you're experiencing some of those symptoms, I would get like a hair tissue mineral analysis checked. Um, if you get a blood level checked, it's usually not indicative of what is going on in your body because your body wants to keep a normal level in the blood. So anything that's out of balance, it goes right into the tissue. And with the hair tissue mineral analysis, what that does is it actually looks at three to four months of metabolic activity. So if you have any toxins, not just copper, but it looks at all your vitamin mineral balances um, and then even heavy metal toxicities, it helps to see what may be causing issues in your body that is causing you not to feel good. Um, and then once you work with a practitioner who does that, then you can kind of work to balancing things out, working on your detox pathways to clear out those toxins, to start getting you to feel better. Um, but back to, I know I kind of deviated on that a little bit. Um, but when you have low zinc, it's basically meaning you're having lower progesterone in relationship to estrogen, um, One thing you want to kind of look out for is being very careful on supplementing zinc. Um, I think because especially the, you know, day we're living in, um, people tend to take a lot of zinc thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to get sick. Let me keep adding that in. You don't really want to exceed about 15 milligrams per day. If you do have copper toxicity and you take more of that, that can actually release some copper in your body. And if it doesn't get bound up correctly, it can cause a lot of symptoms and then just keep recirculating. But um, but yeah, I would definitely, on any supplements we're talking about, I really... I've learned not to just blindly make a recommendation on, oh, you're low on this, take this supplement, because they all play a role with each other. If one is off, it can actually set off two or three. So when you're able to look at your own personalized mineral pattern to see what's going on with you, then you can actually supplement what's needed to get your body functionally normally.
0: There was a lot there. Thank you, Tammy. I learned a lot, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so <laughs> let's... Um, as we wind this podcast up, let's talk about methylation and um, estrogens, um, if you could.
1: Sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The other thing that the um, the estrogens or the birth control can tend to uh, deplete is folic acid and your B vitamins. Well, in the methylation... Pro- pro- uh, I'm sorry. Um, it's a basic word I'm looking for. Cascade. Cascade. Um, Basically, if you have a gene mutation in the MTHFR or the was it, methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, they yep. say that right. I think I said that right. Um, what happens is, is when you have folate, it doesn't get converted to the active form. And most people actually take folic acid. And so folic acid is synthetic and it doesn't necessarily get changed. And it doesn't get converted the way that folate is. You need to have that active form. Um, And anyway, it's needed in this cascade of, um, what do you call it? It's needed to kind of the methylation cycle. So it's needed for DNA repair. It's needed to help um, regulate neurotransmitters, also just replacing damaged cells. And it's also important in... Um, turning homocysteine into methionine, which what that is, is basically saying if you have homocysteine and that gets out of balance, that can actually increase your risk of heart disease, can increase your risk of cancer, and then your body is not detoxing the way that it should. So when we're talking about the folate and the the folic acid or the the B B vitamins, specifically when if somebody finds out they have this genetic mutation, that it is best to kind of Find the active forms of these because your body cannot convert it into the active form, folic acid into the active form. So looking at adding in uh, methylfolate is the active form and then uh, methyl B12 or methylcobalamin. And then also the active form of B6, which is also in this cascade of, of the cycle, which is five phosphate. Um, but when you supplement that, then the body functions a little bit more efficiently. And so in addition to supplementation, you definitely want to, you know, make sure you add foods that can um, improve the, uh, that have the active form folate as well as the B12 rich vitamins, B6, you know, poultry, seafood, um, meat, uh, cruciferous vegetables. Um, and so... Hope I kind of summed that up a little bit, yeah, but, yeah, but it, has, yeah. it plays a big role in the body when it doesn't work, and a lot of people don't realize that they have this genetic mutation and they're actually not um, processing those those supplements or vitamins appropriately.
0: Yeah, that's there's a lot about a lot going on when it comes to MTHFR. We could dedicate an entire podcast to just that subject. Um, so thank you for that quick explanation. And yeah. as we're winding this podcast up, Tammy, tell us what you have a passion for.
1: My passion is to help people, uh, especially with diabetes, but really just anybody. But, you know, as far as with my job, I love to help people to prevent, manage, reverse their diabetes, Um, mainly just help people reverse their chronic conditions, um, getting to the root of it. As we kind of discussed prior to coming on, you know, and not knocking pharmacy school because pharmaceuticals are good in certain aspects, but understanding that there's better ways and and easier and more inexpensive ways at times to get your health under control rather than continuing to take medications and actually fixing what is going on in your body so you actually have a better quality of life and know what to do and how your body works. That's so right. So the main thing is just helping people.
0: Amen. So what's the best way to get a hold of you, Tammy?
1: Uh, you can find me at drtammylopez.com. I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Lopez. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, just Tammy Lopez and yeah, you can reach me that way.
0: And um Janet and I are going to get one of those hair mineral analysis and uh, you know we're going to share it on our podcast in in October when we uh, have another pharmacist on that's kind of a specializes in that. So I'm super excited to to see what it's all about. I don't know much about it at all so
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, super interesting and, and uh, provides insight to a lot of things, especially when you look at each specific mineral, you don't realize how those being off can actually cause chronic conditions.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to learn and I'll probably be contacting you to, to see if you can help me out with it.
1: Definitely. (laughs) I'm here.
0: Uh, Okay. So that, that, that winds up our podcast. I'm trying to see who's on for next week. Um oh yeah so Thursday so thank you Tammy for being on our show and I really really appreciate it and we'll we'll keep in touch cuz we'd like you to have all, have you on again about another subject so Sounds good thank, thank you, you so Tammy much. Thank you so thank much. You. And listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in today. Tune in Thursday, 8.30 to 9.30 Pacific Standard Time. We will have Dr. Molly James on our podcast. And she has been very outspoken during COVID and about medical freedom. So you do not want to miss out on that podcast. She also is going to be discussing um, her conference that is coming up, I think on the 24th or 25th. We'll be discussing that uh, Wednesday or Thursday. So don't miss out. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank